While the kids are getting notes, you can turn to 1 John chapter 5. And while you're turning to 1 John chapter 5, I want you to think about when you came through that stoplight this morning right out here at the entrance to the parking lot. Now think about whether you hit that red or green because that's important. And you might want to consult with your other family members so you can remember whether you hit that red or green this morning. How many of you, when you came through the stoplight out here, hit it red, came to red? Not very many, okay? It must be a long green. Okay. Did you stop when it was red? You did. All of them are shaking their heads. Yes. Did you stop when it was red? Okay. You, you stopped when it was red. How about the greens? Let's, hear, let's see the green. All those who hit it green. Did you go through the stoplight when it was green? I see you shaking your head. My, how you love the government. I can tell. You love our government because you obeyed the stoplight. It was red and you stopped. It was green, and you went. And maybe even someone in the car said, Dad, Mom, you really love the government, don't you? I saw you stop. Did they say that? Some of you were in the service. And I'll bet you at one time you had to do uh, detail or picking up maybe trash around the area and cleaning up an area. And if you're superior told you to clean up the area, and you did, do you think that superior marveled and said, my, how that soldier loves me. Look at him pick up that trash. What? It touches my heart that he would do such a thing. I doubt you got that kind of response from your superior. But you obeyed, didn't you? Was that a sign of love? Not necessarily. Or how about you kids? When you do your math assignment and you complete it and you get a decent grade on it and you may show it to your parents afterwards, whether you come home from school or do it at home, do your parents say, my, how you love math. Look, you did the whole assignment. You must love math. Do they say that? No. They probably don't say that. Because we don't equate obedience with love, do we? Just because you stop at the stoplight doesn't mean you love the government. Just because you do your math assignment doesn't mean you love math. Just because you obey an order doesn't mean you love your superior. We don't make those things equal. But God does. Read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 is our text for this morning. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So God draws a divine equation here. Keeping the commandments equal love to God. Obedience equals love. Now, there's a test that he's giving us here. And we know in 1 John there's lots of tests for who's a Christian. And God gets to make up the test, right? If we're going to figure out who's a Christian, we don't get to determine that. God does. He says, these are the people who love me. And here he's telling us, the people who love me are the people who keep my commandments. And it's not wrong to have tests because he wants to see evidence. We were reading through the five pioneer missionaries and the chapter on William Chalmers Burns, who is a missionary to China. We have a couple people from China visiting us. And he said when he came back to visit this one church that he had preached at before, he returned to the church and he said, there are two persons there who have fallen away from their Christian profession, but neither of them had from the beginning, as far as I know, any evidence of the work of grace. And so Chalmers understood, William Chalmers Burns understood this, that if someone is going to say they are Christian, there is going to be evidence of that grace in their lives. Now, I want you to just turn back to John 14, just for a moment, 
because I want this to be unmistakable that Jesus equates obedience and love to him. In John 14, verse 15, he simply and plainly says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him. In verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. In chapter 15, verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And in verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. It's unmistakable that there's an equation of love and obedience in the scriptures. And that there is no such thing as a Christian who doesn't love God. We would all say that, right? All Christians love God. Would we say all Christians keep the commandments? You have to say that because they're the same thing. There are two choices. You love God and keep the commandments or you hate God And you don't keep the commandments. There's no neutral ground. Jesus constantly told religious people in the New Testament writings that we have that they were not children of God because they didn't keep the commandments, right? What did he tell the Pharisees a lot? All right, you pray out in public. You give so that people can see you give. You read the scriptures. You even teach the scriptures. And yet, You don't keep the commandments of God because you don't show mercy. You don't show humility. You don't have compassion. I would rather have your compassion than your sacrifices, he tells them. And so he's telling these people, you're not the children of God because you don't keep the real, true commands of God. In Matthew 23, he warned his disciples He said, you know, the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, that's the teaching seat. He said to them, all that they tell you to do, observe. Do that. Whatever they tell you to do from Moses' seat, as they teach you, do that. But do not do according to their deeds, because they say, but they do not do. They say they love God, but they don't keep the commandments. When we had World View Weekend here a couple weeks ago in Rockford, it was, it was uh, a great time. There, there's a, We had a dista- uh, display table for Voice of the Martyrs there and met a lot of nice people in that. And next to me was a guy from a Christian camp and uh, <clears throat> seemed to have a really good ministry. And he told me a story about what they do, how they uh, build certain things for the kids. And one time they built a replica of the temple, for the kids, and then they were going to have this uh, activity where they would take all the saved, now you need to hear that word, they would take all the saved kids at camp and allow them to come into the temple. Now they would all go to the altar, all of them. And when they got to the altar, he would ask them for a commitment to live for Christ. Now these are the Christians who are in there. And he said, those who said they're willing to live for Christ could go further into the Holy of Holies. Those saved kids who said they weren't interested in living for Christ had to go back out of the temple. And I was so probably dumbstruck at that point that I didn't say what I wanted to say. Because that would have opened up a whole big discussion. Because what he's telling us and what he's teaching those kids are there are obedient Christians and there are disobedient Christians. And those kids are going to be confused. What he's saying is there are Christians who love God and keep the commandments and there are Christians who hate God and don't keep the commandments. 
How can that be? And I should have engaged him in a conversation and we would have been there for hours talking about that subject because he's deceiving those kids. It is unmistakable that love to God means that we keep the commandments. But further, back in in 1 John 5, further in this verse, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. The great thing about this verse is that it's going to remedy a misconception about love. And that's this. Love is an action. Love is an action. Saying you love God is not enough. When I was in high school, I became a Christian. And a year after I was saved, when I was a senior, we started a group at high school called Fellowship for Christian Athletes. And that's that's a good organization. And so at the first meeting, I showed up, and there were all these athletes there that I was surprised to see there. But I thought, well, this is great. They'll hear the gospel. And while we were going around talking about different things, one kid said, you know, I really love the Lord. And I looked at him, and probably my mouth, my jaw had dropped, and I was like, you what? I know what you live like. I see you in school. I've grown up in this area, and so have you. You love the Lord? I'd only been saved a year, so I was a little bit confused about that. Well, have I judged him too? Have I judged him wrongly? Um, maybe he does secretly, and I don't know about it. But just as I sat there and thought about it, I couldn't hear anything else that was going on because it so puzzled me that he would say that. I came to the conclusion that he's a liar. You can't love the Lord. If you love the Lord, you wouldn't act the way you did. How can you say something like that? I'd never heard anybody use that phrase before, I love the Lord. I didn't grow up in church. And so that really puzzled me. But in 1 John, if he read that, he would be convicted by these verses. Look just back a couple chapters in chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 18. <clears throat> Here's where we learn that love is an action. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. So not only is he saying, He's not just saying, it's okay to say you love God. He's saying, don't even say those words if you can't back it up. No words. Don't speak those words, but show me. Let it be deeds. Let it be action. And in fact, the the two verses right before that, verses 16 and 17, we have an example. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So we know love how? If you lay down your life. What if you don't lay down your life? We don't know love. The love of God abides in you if what? If you meet the needs of the other people. There's action tied with love. Because that's what love is. Action. It's deeds. One more chapter in chapter 4, verse 20. We have another example. If someone says, in verse 20, I love God, and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. What's the lie in this verse? The lie is the person saying, I love God. He's telling him it's a lie. If you carry out the command, then you prove that you love God. Now, this doesn't eliminate feelings. You're saying, oh, all I have to do is go through the paces and work out my obedience, and then that'll be love. But do I feel nothing at that point? Are there no emotions involved? Is there no affection involved in this? Well, of course there is. But the point here is that how do you measure love? How do you measure love? Oh, I love you so much. Well, how do I know? It's because of what you do. 
for that person. Now you can measure it. Remember in James 2 when they argued about, he brings this argument about faith and works? One person over here is saying, I have faith and you over here have works. I said, how can that be? Because the person over here who has faith, we have to ask him this question. Show me your faith. And what are they going to say? I have faith. Well, show me. I have faith. I believe. The person over here is saying, I need to see something in order to see that faith. If you have works, then you show me your faith. And we look at a person's lifestyle and we say, oh, they're a person of great faith. Why? It's because of what they do. Well, it's the same argument with love. I love God. Really? Show me your love to God. Well, I love Him in my heart. Well, show me. You need evidence. Love requires evidence. You can't just say it. If I said to you, I can throw a football as well as any of the NFL quarterbacks, as well as the Vikings, the Packers, the Bears, I can throw it accurate, I can throw it far, I can throw it fast. (laughs) Some of you would say, most of you would say, all of you would say, I doubt it, Steve. And if every Sunday I came and I said the same thing, I can throw a football as well as a pro quarterback. It wouldn't take long for one of you to bring a football to church, would it? And you would hand it to me, and you would say, show me. And I would fail miserably. Because, just because I say it, doesn't mean it's real. You want it backed up. And so it is with love. Love is keeping the commands. It's not a surprising equation. Isn't that exactly what God did for us? We say, how do we know that God loves us? He gave his son. He he made an action. How do we know that Jesus loves us? He laid down his life for us. There was an action tied to it. What if there was no action? What if God just said, I love you? We would say, how do you love me? What does that mean that you love me? Will you change your mind that you love me? Is it a feeling that will go away that you love me, God? But fortunately, we have the evidence of love by God, and that is the cross. The cross is his act of love toward us. So it's not unusual that he would require action to back up our statements about love. But with this love, with this obedience, there comes a certain attitude with it. And that's the final part of the verse. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's very important that John added that part. His commandments are not difficult. His commandments are not heavy. His commandments are not a hassle. His commandments are not disappointing. And we need that reminder because we can't view them as a burden. What would happen if you viewed the commandments as a way to express your love to God? How would that change your perspective in life? How would that change the difficult things, the struggles that we have in obedience? It's an opportunity for you to express love to God. When Martin Luther, before he was saved, he struggled trying to keep the commandments of God. He would confess every sin he could think of when he went into his little confessional, almost to the point of exasperating the person who was hearing his confession, Because they wanted to tell him, you don't have to confess every little sin, Martin. 
But he had to get that off his mind. He would punish himself by not eating for several days. He would lay on his cold floor in his monastic cell to punish himself for his sin because he was so burdened by his inability to obey the commands of God. They were a huge burden to him. And one time somebody asked him, Martin, do you love God? And his famous response was, love him? Sometimes I hate God. Why? Because the burden of keeping the commandments was too great. All he saw was this righteous judge. I disobey, he's going to strike me down. I try to obey here, I can't seem to do it. Martin needed a new heart. He needed to be saved. And when he was saved and he understood salvation by faith through Christ, Then he obeyed out of gratitude. It was no longer a burden. It was no longer a threat. It was no longer heavy to him. Remember the greatest commandment in Matthew. What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because it's just not outward conformity, is it? It's not a robot. That we just go through the commands and we keep them. The heart, the soul, the mind is involved in all of that. But why do we have that reminder not to let the commandments be burdensome? Would you say there's anything wrong with any of the commandments of God? Can you find one in there that you can find fault with? You would say, no. All the commandments of God are good. They're righteous. They're pure. They're just. So why do we struggle with them? Why sometimes do we feel like it's a burden? Why do we lose our perspective? In fact, this is a good question to ask yourself. Do you find yourself obeying God because that's just the lifestyle that we've chosen? That's what we do. It's the right thing to do. We obey God. And have we forgotten that the reason we obey God is to express our love to Him? Let me give you three pieces of encouragement that may help you if you're struggling with the fact that the commandments seem burdensome to me sometimes. Sometimes I go through periods where I struggle with that. I want to give you three pieces of instruction that will help us with that. The first one is this. The commandments of God are more than just rules written on paper. And I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. The commandments of God are more than just rules written on paper. In Hebrews 10, we have a passage that talks about all that Christ has done for us with his sacrifice. And starting in verse 10, he says, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. Now here it is. I will put my laws upon their heart. And upon their mind I will write them. That was part of your salvation experience. Christ made a sacrifice for you. And after he did that and he saved you, he wrote his commands and his laws on your heart and on your mind. They're not just on paper. It's a divine work. So now, when you think about the commands of God after you were saved, there's a certain attraction to what's said here. 
there's a, a great interest to what's in this book because it's not just an educational opportunity. God took these things that were in this book and He wrote them on your heart. They're not just rules to live by. If these were just human rules, and we've all probably experienced that situation where people think these are just human rules. I mean, what's the number one rule that people humanize out there? The golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And they don't tie that with Jesus necessarily. They don't think it's a divine law. They just make it a human rule. And so it really carries no weight. You can tell somebody, oh, you should do unto others as you want them to do unto you, but that doesn't mean they're going to do anything about it because their heart's not in it. It's not written on their heart. That law is not written in their mind. It's just a human interpretation of of a rule or presented as a human rule. And if they're just human rules, you have no attraction to them. I was reading an article this week confusing article on the emerging church movement. That's the name of it, the emerging church movement. And what they're trying to do is redefine the gospel and the Bible. And there are some churches that have three or 4,000 people in them that are like this. And there are some smaller churches where there are no chairs, but they have couches and end tables and lazy boys. That's the setup for the entire church. So they're trying to redefine the gospel. So my first question is, as would be yours, what do they think gospel is? Okay, what do they believe? And so I read this article and it went on for four or five pages. And by the time I was done with the article, honestly, I had no idea what they believe. Because they have no idea what they believe. They're trying to redefine the gospel. And listen to what they said. This one pastor says, You know, I'm questioning my assumptions about the Bible now. I'm discovering it as a human product rather than a divine one. Now his wife chimed in. She said, I grew up thinking that I had the Bible all figured out, that I knew what it meant. Now I have no idea what most of it means. I feel like life is big again. Life used to be in black and white, and now it's in color. And I read that. Now I have no idea what most of it means. And she was proud of that statement. They were kind of defining who they were. And I thought about the teaching that keeping the commandments is the way to love God. And that they're written on your heart and on your mind. And I would like to ask that person, that pastor and his wife, now, the commandments are written on historical page, right? Yes, they are. They're written here. And they're written on your mind, right? Yeah. And they're written on your heart, right? Yeah. What more do you want? What else is there that you need to understand the commandments of God? In fact, if you don't know what any of it means anymore, how do you love God? Explain it to me. Can you love God if you don't know what this means? If it's a human product, it isn't written on your hearts and on your minds because that was a divine work. They want to redefine the gospel. And they're making it more human. And God is saying, the gospel is a divine, the commandments are divine, and your love to me is a divine product, keeping those commandments. They're lost. And that's why at the end of the article I said, I have no idea what they believe. Because they've forsaken the commandments as divine. They're not just rules. Now let me take a make a side comment here to parents. How do you communicate to your kids about the commandments of God? Are they only rules to follow? They are rules. 
Are they only rules to follow or are they the way to express love to God? What if that's the way you taught your children? All right, here's what God says. Here are the commandments. And this is what we're going to do to love God. I want you to not be jealous. I want you to not covet so that you can love God. I want you to make sure you don't get angry over this so that you can love God. I want you to give to your brother and sister so you can love God. I want you to take some of your allowance and give it to the church or to mission so that you can love God. And you start putting that biblical twist on, take, on obeying the commandments, and now the commandments all of a sudden seem attractive, don't they? It's a way to express their love. And also, if you communicate to them that obeying God is a hassle, that it's a burden, that even coming here this morning is a burden, that's how they're going to see what love to God is. Oh, and mommy and daddy love God. Sometimes it's really a hassle. When mommy and daddy love God. Sometimes they're disappointed about having to do so. They're not just rules to follow. Secondly, another help to make sure that the commandments do not seem burdensome to us is that the believer actually has a desire to obey. This is what the world doesn't understand. When we have a desire to obey, all of a sudden, they're not heavy anymore, are they? They're not unattractive. And if you want a great example of that, and I want you to turn to Psalm 119, if you read through this psalm, and it'll take you a while to do that, you will see some amazing words in here that the psalmist uses for his love for the commandments. And I want you, as we just read a few of these verses, to see how you measure with these. In Psalm 119, starting in verse 19 and 20, I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. When I read that, I said, I have never in my life said, my soul is crushed with longing for his word. Has your soul ever been crushed with longing for that? It doesn't seem like a foreign thing to the psalmist here. He longs for them at all times. At all times, he wants the commandments of God. This must be something very attractive to him. This must be something that he holds in high esteem. These certainly are not a burden to him. Verses 34 and 35. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Why do I want to understand the commandments? God, help me know what they mean. Why? So that I can keep it with all my heart. Not so I can be educated. Not so I can know more than the other people. Not so that I can teach or lead a Bible study. Lord, help me understand these things so I can obey it with all my heart. And he prays for that help. Verses 47 and 48. I will delight in your commandments, which I love. I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. He wants the commandments, doesn't he? He wants them. He doesn't just say, I know I need them, and I know I should obey. He wants them. That's the evidence of a new heart. And the fact that he meditates on the commandments... Who meditates on those kind of things? If you told someone who's not a Christian, I love to meditate on the commands of God, they'll think you're positively goofy. Who thinks on things like that? Don't we think about things on things that are 
are really entertaining or things that are comforting and that. Who finds pleasure in the commandments? Christians do. Because they get to express their love to God through them. But Satan, Satan deceives us on that. Because, you know, we always say, well, you know, uh, Satan tempts us to sin by promising pleasure with that sin. Right? And so that's kind of the, the, the bait. And then you take that bait and you find that, yeah, there's some temporary pleasure, but it doesn't last very long. So the bait is pleasure. But he doesn't have a monopoly on pleasure, does he? Are the only pleasures the pleasures of sin? No. The psalmist here tells us there are pleasures in the commands of God and keeping them with all our heart. That's why he can meditate on them and think on them and mull them over in his mind and chew on them and it's pleasurable. And he says, they're my delight. One man said, the Bible is usually only read but not meditated upon because it is not loved as it should be. Finally, verse 111 and 112. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. Remember, I read this. I was reading through Psalm 119 several months ago, and I, that verse struck me more than any. They are the joy of my heart. And I had to confess, Lord, I sure don't feel like your commandments are the joy of my heart. And so what I did, and I've had this in my Bible for a while, is I went through Psalm 119 and I wrote down about eight or nine verses that are like that for me to pray because I'm not like that and I need to get like that. I, need, I desire to be like that. And so I wrote them down. And so once in a while, I just take these out and pray those verses. And one of them is verse 111. They're the joy of my heart. So I pray, Lord, teach me what it means that your commandments are the joy of my heart. Or, my eyes fail with longing for thy righteous word. Lord, what does it mean to long for your righteous word? Let my tongue sing of your word. Do I ever sing just about the word of God, the commands of God, you know, spontaneously? Behold, I long for your precepts. I mean, how many of you read your Bible because you know you should? How many of you read your Bible because you want to get more information? But how about if we read our Bibles like the psalmist? Lord, these are the joy of my heart. Make me run in the way of your commandments. What a different approach. So, are we looking for opportunities to obey the commands? Or do we obey them as they come up? See the difference? Do we obey as the situation comes up? All right, I'm presented with this situation. This person's been mean to me. Now, what do I do? Well, let's see. A soft answer will turn away wrath. I should do a soft answer. Well, how does a soft answer? And see if that assuages the, the wrath. Or here's a needy person. Okay, I probably should give to them, so I should obey and give to them. And we wait for the situation to happen. And sometimes that's how it has to be. But what if you went looking for opportunities to love God? What if you went looking for opportunities to obey the commands? Let's see, today, how could I obey God and show him that I love him? And you look for those. You don't wait for him. Because the psalmist is, waiting, is, is not waiting, he's looking, he's inclining his heart. He's searching for ways to love God. And lastly, not only the commandments are not just rules on paper, And the commandments are something that we desire. But lastly, the commandments are not burdensome to us because they're not too difficult to obey. Now you say, wait a minute. There's some really tough verses in the Bible. There's some really tough verses. Like in 1 John 2, 6, 
It says, the one who says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's one of those you go, oh, I've got to walk like Christ walks? That seems like a burden at first, doesn't it? That seems like too difficult. And God knows that we have those kind of responses. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he had to tell the people that the commandments were not too difficult. In verse 11, well, in verse 10, he says, If you obey the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you. Nor is it out of reach. Why did he have to add that? It's because we do two things. We either make an excuse why we can't keep the commandment, or we get overwhelmed and we think we're never up to the task. I could never carry that out. I could never obey God in that way. I I could never display this teaching in my life. But I think if we stop looking looking at it as only a duty or a task, it is a duty. I'm not trying to weaken that part of it. But if we stop looking at it as only a duty or a task, I think we would overcome these objections in our hearts that the commandments are too difficult for me. And if we say, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, it changes it. You remember when you were saved? Remember that day? Remember what your initial promise to God was? Lord, I'll follow you. I'll take up my cross, deny myself, and follow you. Do you remember reading in the scriptures and thinking, there's no request that's unreasonable from God. I'll do anything for him. And then as time goes on, some of them become difficult. And it's hard to put others before ourselves, like Philippians tells us. It's hard to get rid of anger before the sun goes down, like James tells us. It's hard to be a peacemaker, like Matthew 5 tells us. It's hard to attend worship faithfully, Hebrews 10. It's hard not to associate with fools, Proverbs. It's hard to witness to others, 2 Corinthians 5. I'm not saying they're not, it's it's easy. I'm saying that it's not a burden. There's a difference. If If we look at it as a burden, we are missing the point. What does 1 John tell us? We love him because he first loved us. So see the response equation? He loves us, and then in response to that, we love him. That's how it goes. It's not a burden. It's a response to his love. So I encourage you Christians, please rethink if you're thinking the commandments are burdened, please rethink why you obey. And take time to get to the root of that problem. Because we could all stand up and confess which commandments we have a struggle with. And when sometimes we go through periods that we think it is a burden, we could all stand up and say that. You are not alone. But get to the root of that problem. Why do I think it's a burden? And find that out. And be honest with your own heart. And then ask God to change that. Say, God, can you change this so that you help me make this an expression of love to you rather than me feeling a burden about it? God, will you renew me to have a different attitude towards the commandments? So they're not rules. God, make me like the psalmist in Psalm 119. Pray some of those verses. But a final word to those of you who are not Christians. 
There are some of you, kids or adults, who are just going through the motions. And you obey because you have to obey. And you grudgingly obey. And you keep failing because you have no power to obey inside you. You don't care whether God frowns on you or whether He smiles on you. Commandments to you are a bunch of rules that allow you to fit into this Christian community and not stick out like a sore thumb. You have no intention of using them to demonstrate love to God. I have a friend. He was a friend in college who was a big influence on me, and he became an elder in a church here in Illinois. And when I was in college, he and his wife would have me over uh, for supper and fellowship and prayer and that, and just loved those times together. And he taught me a lot. And so he was pastor of this church in Illinois, and we saw him a few years ago and had him over to the house. But what I had heard before we had him over was that his wife, Cindy, had been saved the previous year. Now, I knew them in college, and college was 25 years ago when I fellowshiped with her and when she was part of the church, a good church. And now I hear that she just got saved. And so, my first question to her, we came over, you know, burning to ask her about this, right? So we have the meal and everything, and she sits down in a chair and says, Cindy, how can this be? You were just saved? What happened? What about all those times we had fellowship? And what about all those times that you were in the church and you sang the hymns and you listened to the sermons and you loved the people? What happened? I believed her. I wasn't questioning her. I believed her. I just needed to know what happened. And she said, you know, I was at a conference and the pastor was preaching about whitewashed tombs. Kids, you know what whitewashed tombs are? You paint them on the outside so they look nice and bright and white and clean, but inside there are dead bones. And this pastor was preaching about people who have who look good on the outside and they go through all the motions, but inside they're empty and rotten. And she said, that was me. Mrs. 20 years after, probably 25 years after she professed to be saved. And she said, I knew right then that I had never been a Christian because I never really loved the commandments. I never loved God from the heart. I just went through the motions. She was a pastor's wife. Now, to tell you, that pastor stepped down when this happened because it was not appropriate for him to be a pastor anymore. But those of you who struggle with that and you say, yeah, it's the same with me. I, I don't like obedience. I just do it because I have to. Let me tell you that you need a new heart. You need a new heart. All these things I said to the Christians about loving God through the commandments are only possible because they had a new heart first. I want to read you some verses from Romans 8. In Romans 8, it says, in verse 6, The mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, it does not subject itself to the law of God. Now listen to this. It is not even able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So you can try until you die and you'll never please God. You have no ability to do it because you're still in the flesh and God hasn't given you a new heart. And the the commandments will forever be a burden to you. But if you have the Spirit, in verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God These are sons and daughters of God. You need the Spirit. You need a new heart. 
And Jesus' invitation to you is, Come, all who are weary and heavy laden. That means all who are burdened, who think commandments of God are just a hassle, who have no intention of loving God through the commandments. All you who are empty and hate the commandments of God or just see them as nothing very interesting at all, all those who have that burden, you can come. You can come to Christ for a new heart. If you're a rule keeper, you can come and get a new heart. If you're someone who's meticulous about your righteousness, your own righteousness, you can come and get a new heart. If you're one who goes through the motions and looks good, we would even tell maybe that you weren't a Christian. You can come for a new heart. Come to Christ, and the rest of that verse says, find rest from that burden. Find rest and stop the battle of trying to obey when you have no ability to obey at all. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank You for Your commandments. We know that we struggle with them and our flesh struggles with them. and We wander sometimes. But we thank You that Your commandments are pure and just and righteous. And we thank You for giving us the opportunity to love You through the commandments. And pray that You would create in all of us hearts that can say, Your commandments, Lord, are the delight of my heart. They are my joy. Lord, I pray that You would make us to run to Your commandments, to want to express love to You. We need Your help. And for those who don't know Your commandments, don't care about them, I pray that You would give them a new heart. Help them come and get rest and let that burden fall off. And let them see the delight in obeying You. And let them see the privilege in obeying You. Lord, we pray that You would help us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. That You would burn the words of 1 John 5.3 into our hearts. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And your commandments are not burdensome. Amen.